Welcome to Wednesday night, night, I think six or seven, night six or seven of the pursuit of happiness. We are pursuing happiness. Um, for those of you who have not been here, welcome to you. Uh, you definitely, I don't want to say you missed out because that would be negative, but you missed out. Uh, you should have been here. It's been a party every Wednesday night and we'll continue for the rest of the summer. Um, we, we believe that living life with Jesus is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to make you happy. And the biggest lie people tried to tell us was that God was boring or dull or didn't want us to have fun or enjoy our lives. But the Bible says that God gave us everything. He created everything that he created for us to richly enjoy. And so that's what we're going after is understanding how do we actually begin to enjoy our Christianity. How do I enjoy my life? How do I put into practice some very practical pieces of information so that as I walk through my everyday life, I can experience happiness everywhere that I go. Did you know that you could be like that? That you could be happy every moment of every day of your life? Maybe it's a newsflash to some of you. <laughs> You're like, I could never be that happy. But so often what happens is we get pushed around by situations and circumstances in our life, and we allow the things around us to dictate to us what our truth is. When the Bible says that, you know, God is good and everything that he's placed around us is for a purpose, and he's going to turn everything around for our good, and so if that's the truth, I mean, it's pretty easy for me to rejoice. That means good things or bad things, whether they make sense or they don't make sense, whether I like them or I don't like them. Somehow when I walk through this, I'm going to look back at these different situations of my life and be thankful that I went through them because God, I will be able to see in 2020 vision how God was with me as I walk through some of the most difficult, darkest, dangerous moments of my life. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, so this is, uh, tonight we're talking about the science of being social. The science of being social. Um, how many of you have been doing the things that we've been talking about? Remember we had the d days of gratitude? How many, don't raise your hands because I'm afraid at how small the group of people would be that raised their hand. But how many of you are still doing your days of gratitude? I'll turn around and you can raise your hand so that I won't judge you. How about last week we talked about being um, what, gracious? Is that the right word for gratitude? Being gracious? Extending gratitude towards people? Being a gracious people? How many of you have had any success with that? Anybody? People loving your stuff? People are like, no, I like my money. I'm not giving my money away. Like, I want people to be generous to me. I don't want to be generous out of you. Just kidding. We're not like that. All right. Well, I want to encourage you. The, the thing that I love about the scripture and really what we are endeavoring to do on these Wednesday nights is to give very practical pieces of information. Because what I've learned about the scripture is, is that for so many years, the scripture... Um, has been spiritual and life has been natural and practical. But the more that you dig into the scriptures, especially the more that you dig into the life of Jesus, you realize that he was the living, breathing, moving, acting, physical manifestation of the word of God. That everything God speaks to us in the Bible has a practical application in order to make our lives better. And all we simply have to do if we want our lives to be better, this is going to shock some of you, all we have to do if we want our lives to be better is we simply have to just do what the Bible tells us to do. 
Did you ever know? That's a good word, right? Come on, like give it, give it up for me. Years of studying to come to that conclusion. But that's the thing is so often we wonder what to do when the answers to the questions that we're asking can be simply found in the pages of the Bible that we read every single day. It's just a matter of taking them out of the, 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 the book and putting them into our lives. Amen? Okay, so tonight, like I said, we're talking about the science of being social, but I have a confession to make this evening. By nature, I'm not very social. And actually, I hate asking for help. That's the thing. I've, I've always known that I've hated asking for help, but just recently, I've realized that I'm an Enneagram number two. Anybody knows what the Enneagram is? For those of you who don't, you should go study it out because it's life-changing. But I've learned that I'm an Enneagram number two, and this is a common problem that rests heavily on every number two shoulders, that we love to be the helpers, but hate to be the helped. I never want to be helped. I just want to help everybody else. And, and I saw this so, 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 so much in my relationship with my wife, Danielle. Um, because, you know, I, I read all the scriptures, and I knew about all the things about how, you know, you get married. The Bible says when you find a wife, you find a good thing. And I definitely found a good thing. My wife is amazing. And I had gone through all the classes and read all the books, and I knew that God gave me my wife so that I could have this great helper who could help me in time of need. But my knowledge of this didn't change my nature as a two. And so because of that, I had this amazing helper at my side, but never wanted to ask for help. In fact, it got so bad a few years ago that I was basically like an absolute mess. You know, like externally, I had it all together, uh, you know, because that's kind of what guys do. Even if guys are absolutely falling apart on the inside, ladies, single ladies, let me give you a piece of advice. If your man ever says he's good, chances are he's not good and he's lying to you. But that was my story. I Internally, I was absolutely falling apart, but externally... Because I never wanted to ask for help, I allowed myself to just basically, essentially fall apart from the inside out. And this is what happened. I was quiet, and I was withdrawn, and I was frustrated, and I was snippy. I know that some of you can't believe that I would be snippy, um, but I, in fact, can be quite snippy when I'm overwhelmed. Um, and, you know, she would ask me things like, you know, what's going on? Like, what can I do to help? Are you okay? Like, what can I do to help to lighten your load? And my response is the good Christian godly man would always be, babe, I got it. Don't worry. Got it all under control. And it wasn't until one day that I can remember she sat me down. We were sitting on our couch together, and I was absolutely stressed to the max. And she forced me to open up and start to talk to her and tell her what was going on on the inside of me. Now, this moment was actually one of the best slash worst moments of my life because you ever have those moments where you say something and as the words are coming out of your mouth, you wish that you could like literally reach out and grab them and pull them back? This is what, I, this is what happened to me because I realized that as I started to talk out my issues with my wife, I started to realize how insignificant these issues actually were. And I'm pretty sure that day, within an hour... My wife had literally solved all of my problems that I had been stressing over. Yes, give it up for Danielle. She's not here. She's not here, but she receives your applause. And I realize this is why God gives us community. 
This is why God brings people around us because by nature as human beings, we're so good at isolating ourselves. Can't tell you how many people I talk to constantly where the biggest things that people are fighting and facing are things like isolation and loneliness and just this overwhelming sense that they are the only one around or the only one who cares about their life. And here's the thing, you may have never had an embarrassing moment with your spouse like I had, but we all face these pressures all the time through maybe social anxiety, maybe awkwardness, maybe you're introverted or more introverted by nature, maybe you're naturally quiet, maybe you hate vulnerability. Every single one of us faces this pressure to isolate ourselves from society around us. This very, like the Bible says, very present help that's around us and the people that God has placed us around and the families that God has placed us in, these structures and societies and organizations that God has placed around us to be the very aid that we're crying out for. So often what we can do is we can isolate ourselves from stepping into this help that we so desire. And I realized that, you know, in, in only my 33 years that I've been alive, that we have kind of say it here every once in a while, is that we truly are better together. That God brings us and places us into environments like this because he knew from the very beginning that we are so much better when we are together than when we are separated. I think about all the time, and I use this example all the time, but I feel like it paints such a great picture, is watching Animal Planet or the different things that I watch on YouTube. And I love animals, but I also love to watch animals kill other animals. I don't know how I like both of those two things, but I do. And I can remember watching this documentary about wolves. And <clears throat> I did. And how the wolf pack... You know, they were looking to eat, and they were hungry and searching for food, and they come across this group of, I think it was bisons or buffaloes, one of those things. And the wolves knew that the wolf pack was far too insignificant or too weak to be able to do anything against this herd of buffaloes. So what they did strategically was they didn't try to go after the whole pack because they knew if they tried to attack the whole pack, they were as good as done. Because the buffaloes were stronger and bigger and just better altogether than the wolves. But if the wolves could simply isolate one of those buffaloes, and I watched it happen. You watch as all that they needed to do was create isolation around one of these animals. And it was easy for the pack of wolves to take down one. And I watch how in our lives, God brings people around us so that we don't end up like those buffaloes so that we don't end up isolated and easy prey for the enemy in order to take us down. Easy prey for our thoughts, easy prey for our emotions, easy prey for whatever the situation is that we're going through. It's crazy how much harder it is to deal with something alone than if you simply just bring one other person into that situation with you. It's as though you have so much more stamina, so much more power to be able to overcome. Now imagine what would happen if as the body of Christ, we actually understood what it meant when God talks to us about unity, about being the actual body of Christ. The reason that God did this 
was because he understood that there's a destiny that we're trying to get to. There's a distance that we're trying to walk towards, and we just don't have the ability in ourselves to do it alone. And so the very weapon that God has placed in our hands in order to live great lives, in order to feel as though I'm not overwhelmed or overcome by the situations that I face, this very uh, uh, help that God has established in our lives, if we're not careful, it's crazy how often we can feel as though we're alone facing different situations. Now, factually, did you know that community... When it comes to being happy and living a fulfilled life, community is the number one thing that people will recommend for you right off the bat if you have a desire to live a happier life. Okay? Here's some facts, folks. Buckle up, because these are crazy. Fact number one. People who spend six to seven hours a day with friends and family are 12 times more likely to feel joy over stress or anxiety. They say that having 10 or more friends has a significant impact on your happiness level. That in addition to being in a better mood, Having a robust, robust social network is linked to all sorts of other positive health factors, including living a longer life. Fifty People are 50% less likely to die early when they are regularly social. This is why, you know, people in retirement communities, like sometimes I think that it can be negative. What it's actually, as you age, it's amazing to have a community of people around you that people are actually living longer because they remain in a community rather than being isolated. Yes. College students were half as likely to get sick when they had a close group of friends. In a study, when a best friend was present in a, challenge, in a challenging time, people rated their self-worth significantly higher and produced less stress hormone cortisol. Now, in case you were wondering, because this is sometimes a thing, it's like when we think about, you know, like I have like 500 friends on Facebook. <laughs> or like, I have 850 people who follow me on Instagram. And so I have lots of friends. Not so, my friends. Western Illinois University showed that social media has neither a good or bad effect on relationship. That in order for relationships to actually matter physically, they have to be in-person relationships. Okay? Doubling your friend group has the same happiness-boosting effect as increasing your income by 50%. And isn't it true, though, as we read these facts, is like they make us laugh because, like, you're telling me that friends are as good as 50 grand. And it's like, yes, in fact, that is what I'm telling you. Because here's the deal, is that what we're talking about here isn't necessarily getting more money. Because, like, we talk about all the time is that the number one thing that people are searching for in life, surprisingly enough, isn't money. 
People are searching for, I want to enjoy my life better. In fact, that's one of the things that people have coined about millennials is that millennials are willing to work at a job making less money because they want their life to be rich in experiences rather than rich in finances. And this is what's happening in the world right now is people are realizing that I would rather live a happy, peaceful, joyful life than live a life that's void of those things but have lots of money in a bank account. And the reality is, is that as we're pressing into life and pressing into the promises of God and and beginning to practically apply some of these principles to our life, it's important to remember that when we talk about having more friends, this is just as biblical as talking to you and telling you that you should wake up and pray every single day. Because God creates systems and structures not only so that your life can be great, God creates systems and structures in your life so that you can get to your destiny and bring others along with you. Because that's the beautiful thing about community. It's like that saying, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you where you're going to be in five years from now. Why? Because our community has the ability to either make us or break us. And we see that in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9. It says very clearly, Now remember, Ecclesiastes, this is the wisest man in the world writing this book. He says it very simply so that it cannot be misunderstood. Two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, this is a different time, folks, different time. They were doing weird things where if you fall down, (laughs) you couldn't work anymore because maybe they were like falling off a cliff or something. And so like, work with a partner because then maybe they could pull you up off the cliff or whatever they would be doing. If either of them falls down, one of them can help. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Verse 11 says this, also if two lie down together, these are real strange things, okay? If two lie down together, they will keep each other warm. (laughs) But how can one keep himself warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a three-chord strand is not quickly broken. We see from the scripture, this one passage of scripture, that there are multitudes of other scriptures that talk to us about community. But we see very quickly that we are created. We have been created to exist together. That no matter how good you might think that you are, and maybe you are the best one of us in this room, you will still go farther by surrounding yourself with people. And not only will you go farther, but you'll also enjoy the journey so much more. It's like I heard that saying that says, it's lonely on the top. Right? Why? Because we were never created to be alone. And so most people want to be together. That's the thing. I don't think I've ever met anybody who was lonely by choice. I think that people experience isolation or loneliness or they experience a lack of community because they simply don't know how to create and have good relationships around them. In fact, most people today, one of their largest fears that they experience is fear of social events where they don't know the people that they're going to have to be social with. Like networking in today's world is one of people's biggest fears. It's true. Because we, by nature, 
we don't necessarily like to be vulnerable, put ourselves out there, be social. We're so aware of the rejection and those things. But what I've realized is that as you step across the line, you realize that life on the other side is so much better. Okay, so let's talk about this tonight because this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how do we, what's the best way of saying this? Be better? How do we do better in social environments? Because what I've learned is that there is actually a science to being social. In fact, if you look online, there's really a science to everything that there is in the world, right? I mean, I got lost in a black hole of information over the last few days as I'm putting this message together because it's crazy how there is actually a right way to do everything, right? I've been looking, reading about like public speaking and doing things like this, and they're like, you know, make sure that you don't do this with your hands. And I'm thinking, how do you know if you do that with your hands? How are you aware of what you're doing with your hands while you're public speaking? But there's a right way to do everything. And so number one of what we need to do in order to practice and understanding what it looks like to be more engaged in our social settings is number one, we have to start high. You have to start high. You ever get stuck in traffic on the way to an event? (laughs) Ever had a hard time finding parking? You know, stressed out at work, stressed out about life? Can I tell you something? Don't mention it. Okay? Many people don't realize that in starting conversations, when you start low or when you enter into a conversation about something that's um, stressful or negative, it actually sets the tone for your entire conversation, okay? And isn't that so funny about how in life, I mean, this is our natural response. It's, you know, like, well, how's it going? And then your response is like, oh my God, I've been in traffic for like three hours, right? And you're just like, uh, that's, I, I, I got to tell you, I don't really care. I didn't really want to know that, okay? <laughs> and so what we want to do is that we want to start on a high, okay? We want to have the best possible interaction and set the bar for the conversation as high as possible, okay? One study tested this by tracking room service tips, Okay? So this is what the study was, is that waiters brought breakfast to hotel rooms where the hotel rooms had no windows. I have no idea where these hotel rooms were or who would rent a hotel room without windows. China has, there we go. So these were Chinese people serving room service, maybe, okay? So this is what would happen is, so the people, the guests in the room couldn't see the weather or what was happening outside, And so their study was, is that they were going to test starting high, okay? So this is what they did. They had three, or a waiter um, said three different things to three different clients, okay? Or however many through this, they didn't necessarily specify. So the first waiter said something very, just very straightforward. Good morning, I have your breakfast for you. The second waiter said this, good morning, I have your breakfast for you. Looks like the weather is going to be great today. And the third waiter said this, Good morning, I have your breakfast for you. Looks like it won't be a great day for weather. And did you know that waiter number two? Come on, like we are, this is the thing, it's science. It's easy. I mean, I do sales for things, and it's crazy 
how you can say the same thing to a large grouping of people and 99% of the people have the same. Why? Because we're programmed, well, we're programmed to want to feel good. And that's how we are as humans. We're programmed to want to, our expectation of what a good day outside is going to mean releases chemicals in our brain that makes us feel good. It says that waiter number two who gave the good news got a 26.65% higher tip than the other people. Simply by saying the weather outside is sunny. Okay? And so as we're entering into these relationships with the people around us, as we want to grow, and, and here's the thing is that everybody has, you know, one or two close friends who you could kind of be whoever you want to be in that moment, and that person is going to absolutely love you. But what we're talking about is we're talking about creating a strong and thriving community. And so these things that we're talking about as we go through them is really understanding that is that as we are intentional to sow life into the relationships around us, those relationships in turn begin to sow life and create good things happening on the inside of us as individuals, okay? Number two, wear vulnerable colored sunglasses, okay? Now, we're all very familiar with rose-colored sunglasses, right? And this is the thing. Being positive, rose-colored sunglasses are those people who things are just always good. Everything is always peachy. People are always happy, okay? And positivity, positivity can certainly increase your likability factor, okay? But I want to push you a step further in this. I want us to as we step out and begin to invest in the relationships that are around us. And maybe you're sitting in here and you feel like, you know, I just feel like I've never really been able to connect with people. I feel like this is all really amazing, but I've really struggled to have a solid group of friends and people in my life who desire to sow into my life, okay? So I want to push us to live our life viewed through the lens of vulnerability, okay? And what does that look like? It simply looks like this. Thinking about how can I make the people around me feel more comfortable, make them feel more at ease, and make them feel more safe, okay? How can I and what can I do to cushion the people's around me's vulnerabilities, okay? Because can I tell you something? One of the biggest things in life that creates separation between people is everybody goes into relationships with their own vulnerabilities. And I'm afraid that you're going to reject me, and you're afraid that I'm going to reject you, and I'm trying to put on my best self, and I'm trying to put my best foot forward, and you're trying to put your best foot forward, and we're just like stubbing and tripping over each other's feet because we don't know what's going on. And it keeps our relationships on a shallow level, and we never actually get to the place where we're creating around us the community that Ecclesiastes is telling us that a three-chord strand is not easily broken. Because I want to surround myself with people who not only just know me or they want to just be around me, I want to surround myself with people, with, with my people, my tribe, my community of people who are going to fight for me when I need to be fought for, who are going to help me up when I'm feeling down. Okay? And so the way that I do this is I got to break through other people's vulnerabilities. And so what that looks like is, is it looks like me making myself vulnerable so that the other person feels comfortable 
in their own vulnerability. But I'm trying to tell you, as the church at large, so many people, there's such a stigma about Christians in the world right now that we can struggle to make solid connections with people who are not yet living the lifestyle of, with a relationship with Jesus. And so sometimes it's remembering that even looking in the life of Jesus about how Jesus was always found with these like strays. You know, he's with the tax collector and he's with, you know, the woman caught in adultery. And it's like, Jesus, like, how did you, how were you able to the perfect son of God? The sinless, spotless, you know, upholding the very standard of heaven. How did you get along with these people? But you constantly look and watch Jesus as he eases people's vulnerability by himself first being vulnerable. We see the beautiful picture of him as the woman is caught in adultery and the men around him are ready to stone her. And what does Jesus do? He makes himself vulnerable by bending down and getting on her level. And what happens? We see from that simple act of vulnerability, we see this amazing transformation of this woman. And so as we're talking about in our relationships around us, yes, but also in our relationship to the world around us, how vulnerability and our willingness to, be, to make ourselves vulnerable opens doors for us that otherwise people would never allow to be open. Number three, we need to harness curiosity, okay? Being curious makes you socially irresistible. Dale Carnegie, right? Everybody, people know who Dale Carnegie is, okay? He wrote a lot of great books. He said this, to be interesting, you must be interested, Okay? And when you're dealing with people, think about asking people questions, okay? Be interested in things that are happening in other people's lives, okay? Questions, very simple questions, like what motivates this person, okay? Not like asking them questions about like, you know, how was your drive-in? How is your lawn? What did you eat for breakfast? No, no, I'm talking about, like, questions that are going to spawn conversations. What motivates you? What's important to this person? What energizes them? What did they love to talk about? What shuts them down or closes them off? What do they value? Questions that are going to be show your curiosity into relationships, okay? And then this is the thing is make a goal to even if it, because this is the thing, it could be totally calculated, and you could have like a list, you know, like you have your five questions that you memorize, that you ask every new person that you meet. But it's amazing how you get super comfortable in talking to new people because you go into the conversation with material, okay? And that makes it so easy in order to bridge the gap that would normally keep us separated from the people that God has brought into our lives, okay? And number four, I'm done with this because I'm out of time. Number four, flaunt your weaknesses, Okay? Do you ever wish that you could read people's minds? You ever have that? I do. I actually do. My two superpowers that I would have would either be flying, because everybody would love to fly. And if flying was already chosen, I would choose to read people's minds. But I've realized something, that most of the time, I don't have to read people's minds, because most of the time, the people that you are around 
are desperately trying to hide their weaknesses. It's true. Isn't that true? Whenever you go into an awkward social setting, you're not thinking about the people around you. You think everybody else is thinking about you, about the one weakness that you have that you are convinced that they can see. Right? If I got news for you, every single person in that uncomfortable room that you might find yourself in is feeling the exact same way. They're wondering what you think about them. They're trying to make a good impression, trying to hide their vulnerabilities. But research shows us that hiding our weakness actually does the opposite to make people like you. Isn't that so funny? I actually had this epiphany, is that I would always, I always wanted to drive a nice car because I thought when I was driving a nice car that people would see me and they would like me or they would think that I was awesome because I was driving a nice car. But then I realized something. When I saw other people driving nice cars, I was not thinking nice thoughts about them. I was coming up with reasons as to why I was still better than them, even though they were driving a nicer car than me. Well, because it's human nature to want to express, especially I could speak for men, and I'm sure women feel the same way. There's this innate desire in us to show how strong or how masculine we are. Right? Everybody have a friend, you call him the one-upper, you know, that no matter how great the things you did, he always did something better. Right? I had a couple of friends like that that were just like, you might as well not say anything because whatever you're going to say, they've done that and so much more. But you know what I realized is maybe he did these amazing things, but the fact that he was one-upping me totally bummed me out about him. In one study of job interviews, when candidates mentioned positive traits or achievements early on, they were rated as less likable than candidates who admitted their weakness early on. You see, this is a crazy factor about us, is that we, nobody wants to be vulnerable, but we love people who are willing to be vulnerable. Admitting to our weakness instead of our strengths actually makes us more relatable, more trustworthy, and more human. And so this is the thing, when you are interacting with people around here, like we all think each other are amazing. And so it's cool. You, you, don't gotta, you don't gotta tell me all the things that make you awesome. Like, I already think that you're awesome. And this is the thing that so often can separate us inside of our communities is that we so desperately want other people to see us for how strong we are because we think that if I could project strength, it's gonna make people like me more. Instead of realizing that, hey, I had a friend, I went to Israel with him. He's a pastor of a church in L.A., a large church. And he said to me, he says this to the people in his church. Like, I would rather see you're ugly than you're fake. And I think this was the mantra of Jesus, wasn't it? Is that Jesus wasn't interested in the people who tried to make it seem, I mean, wasn't that the Pharisees? 
the Pharisees who made it seem like they had everything all together. And Jesus rarely had a kind interaction with a Pharisee. But you look at all the people like the tax collectors and the sinners and the cheats and the, you know, the, the prostitutes and the sick and the lame and the maimed and all the, and it was like these people who were inherently found in weak situations, their weakness attracted Jesus. And so as we desire to walk into these new things and create the communities around us, can I set you free under the reality that says you don't have to be perfect in order for people to like you? Can I set you free to realize that we're called the body of Christ and every single one of us was given strengths and we were given weaknesses so that, not so that we could point fun at each other's weakness, but so that we would be it would be overwhelmingly obvious that we need to be together. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Lord, as you're walking us through this process of practicality to realize that the very things that we so desire, like friends, like close friends, God, there's simple biblical principles that we just apply to our life. And want, Lord, that as we sow, your Bible says, as a friend must show himself friendly. As we sow friendship, and saying friendship looks simple. It looks like being real, being vulnerable. It looks like being positive. God, as we do those things, we realize that what we're doing is through these seemingly insignificant acts, we're creating the community around this that we so desperately desire. We thank you for your wisdom. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat the simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.